I'm Laylee Slutz, a UX researcher, and this is UX Pursuit. Welcome to UX Pursuit, a podcast dedicated to the unique stories and journeys of UX practitioners, how they got where they are today, what hurdles they overcame, and what advice they have for those currently pursuing a thriving career in UX. I'm Tim Bridgham, your host, and my hope is that these conversations might help and inspire those who are currently on their own UX pursuit. On the podcast today is Laylee, a former coworker from Blink. I worked closely with Laylee on my first full-time research project after becoming a UX researcher, and I learned a lot from her in those early days doing full-time research. I'm excited to share our conversation with you. I particularly like her insights around pursuing what comes your way. Well, Laylee, thanks so much for joining me today. Um, I'd love to yeah, hear your story and on how you got to the point where you are now in your career. Like, where, where did it all start? All right. Uh, it's great to be here. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> um, I, I've had kind of a winding journey um, to UX, which I think a lot of people have. Um, I graduated with a degree in English literature, and I taught English in South Korea for a couple of years. And then I moved to Washington, D.C., and I worked in communications for nonprofits for a couple of years. And then I ended up at this organization called the OpenGov Foundation. We were a nonprofit startup that was focusing on experimenting with crowdsourcing legislation and opening up state and city level laws online in a machine readable format. So it's my first position in a more tech oriented company. And I was the fourth hire, so I wore like seven or eight different hats. But my favorite uh, part of my job was that I got to go uh, work pretty closely with some members of the D.C. Council, their legislative aides, in better understanding how laws got made and how our tools could fit into their processes. And that position helped me realize that I really loved... Um, first of all, making important information easier to access and understand for lay people and helping people get more involved in that process. Um, and I also really liked the process of, of digging deeply into people's workflows and all of the many different tools that they used. And, um, and it was a pretty broken process. I mean, <clears throat> just there are a lot of outdated tech laws that make it hard in government. But at any rate, I really loved working with these folks to try to understand how we can better support them. And so I decided that this is something I wanted to pursue. So I went and did a master's degree and graduate certificate at the University of Washington. And here I am. So did you, were you doing like interviews with, with people? Were you, you know, was that some of the things that sparked your interest or like sparked your passion? Yeah, so I did interviews with legislative aides. Um, I helped coordinate a couple of focus groups. I attended a lot of different conferences on, on legislative data structures. I sat in on design meetings, um, and I helped to run the alpha or beta release of our platform for crowdsourcing legislation. And so we had, we were working three different offices to release bills to the public and then to get public comments. So I was um, working with both folks inside and outside of the legislative process 
and continually fielding complaints about things that didn't work well and trying to work with my developers to understand how we could adjust things and what our timeline might be. Um, doing a lot of work on the back end myself to try to just get these things into the system and then also working with um, some lawyers in order to understand how the comments that we could collect would be incorporated into that official legislative process. So a whole lot of different things. Um, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of fun. Yes, it sounds like even like project management or product management or you know mm -hmm. whichever product ownership in there. And so, so then was it like, oh, I mean, like, how did you discover like UX research as like a title or a position that you wanted to go after? Or, or was it even that clear at that point? It definitely was not at all clear at that point. Um, I just knew that I wanted to do something related to making information more easily accessible to folks. Um, I originally learned about usability and UX when I was asked to run our first usability studies. And I said, what is, what, what is that? What, uh, okay, so I, I read a couple of books and I ran our first couple of usability, usability tests and they were pretty messy, but I learned a lot from them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I ended up pursuing a degree in library and information sciences. So I was thinking I was going to go more into something related to working with public libraries and helping people to access this type of information. Mm -hmm. And then I took my first sort of foundational research course that's part of the required curriculum for that degree. And it just clicked and it's like, oh, that's what I really liked about what I was doing in my previous job. That's what I really want to do. How can I make a career out of this? Mm -hmm. And then I, I started taking Coursera courses online. I got an internship at SAP in UX research. Um, and then I ended up doing the graduate certificate in user-centered design at the University of Washington's human-centered design and engineering program. And that really sort of launched me into the career of UX research. I see. Okay. And so where did you get your master's? It was at the University of Washington in the School of Information. Uh, it's a master's in library and information science, which a lot of people go the public library route. I was one of the first people in my cohort to consider UX. So, um, the graduate certificate was really helpful in that way. Okay, nice. And, and did that, or what, what was kind of the point of, of taking this to the graduate certificate or adding, adding to your master's degree? So the master's degree gave me a foundation in things like information behavior, data structures, and information architecture, um, research skills. And then the user-centered design program gave more of an industry-focused perspective, um, okay. more specifically around what user-centered design is, how it happens in industry, and then let me focus on things like prototyping, which weren't offered as part of the master's. Okay, got it. So kind of added to your, your skill set in more of a UX research role versus like the information and, and library science. Yeah, exactly. Were, were you just sick of the Dewey Decimal System or? <laughs> I just realized that in terms of what I wanted to do on a daily basis, research and specifically uh, what the academic field would call uh, action research, so research in order to actively improve something that you're working on, was what I found most satisfying, as opposed to what I might do, for example, in public libraries. Like I still love and value public libraries, but in terms of what I wanted to do on a day-to-day -day basis, UX research was a really good fit for me. Okay, cool. I'm curious, how, how do you feel like your 
English literature degree fits into either like your earlier work or even now? Is it still something that that you find value out of or is it more of a passion reading? Yeah. Um, so to me, a literature degree is about learning how to analyze a text and understand it in context and then make an argument about it and build that argument using evidence from the text. And I think that's very related to what we do in UX research in terms of trying, I mean, trying to understand what a person is doing or saying, making an argument about what a group of people are doing or saying, and then building that up through a series of logical points. Um, I think it also made me a stronger writer, uh, a stronger reader, which is important in UX research, and just a stronger communicator in general. So yeah, I think it was helpful. Cool. Yeah, you, you mentioned just sort of skills that you have or that you find necessary in, in UX research. Are there other skills or, or traits even getting into sort of more personalities that you think are important for, for UX researchers? Uh, curiosity, for sure. I think that's a pretty obvious answer for a researcher. You just have to be willing to and interested in digging into various different topics, um, mm-hmm. not just to not just during the sessions, but also if you're working on a more complicated subject matter like um, data analysis, data science, or like um, industrial engineering with John Deere, we were talking about a little bit uh, earlier, um, you have to be willing and to really dig into those subject matters a little bit more to better understand what your participants are saying. Um, but I think most of all, just humility is the most important trait. Um, You have to realize that it's not about you showing off your skills. It's not about you showing how knowledgeable you are on a subject. It's about understanding what information you need to gather and getting to that information and being willing to ask questions that might seem obvious or stupid um, to your stakeholders because you don't want to assume that you know the answer. And sometimes when you ask those questions that everybody just seems to think um, are obvious or um, might make you feel or look a little stupid, you, you start to either uncover things that you might not otherwise have uncovered because you were making assumptions or um, sort of find different ways to approach a subject matter. Yeah, I think that that's huge. Uh, I think... I think, I feel like, yeah, curiosity is something mentioned a lot and empathy, but I think humility, yeah, I think I haven't, I haven't really thought about it as much uh, as, as you've just articulated there. So that's super interesting to think about. Yeah, we do ask some pretty standard questions that are often, I'm often surprised at the answers we find. You know, a lot of times you would be going with assumptions on, oh, this, they're going to like this, they're not going to like that. It's going to be easy. It's going to be hard. And, and, like, I'm just, I'm learning every day. That's not, not the case always. I think I've been, I think I've just been very humbled <laughs> in the last couple of years. I've tackled some uh, more technical subject matters that were really challenging to me. And it was hard for me to put my ego aside and say, like, I know that I want to look like the expert here. I know that I want to look really smart and like, I know what I'm talking about, but I have to make sure that I fully understand this. And so I just have to set that ego aside. And it's been a journey. Mm-hmm. Cool. So um, I want to go back a little bit because you would say, you know, you, you finished your master's degree, then you had your focus of your graduate certificate, and then now you're at Google. 
Um, but I think probably a lot of folks are wondering, well, what happens after you do that master's degree or grad certificate? Like, how did you get to, uh, to the point you're now where you're working at Google? Uh, yeah, it was a matter of building up a lot of experience um, over time. I actually first spoke with a recruiter from Google three years ago when I graduated from my master's degree. So it's been a journey. Mm -hmm. I was lucky in my master's program to be able to take on a number of different research assistantships that were very helpful in giving me both credibility and also helping me to build up those skills with a mentor mm -hmm. um, and my internship as well. And then I took several part-time jobs right out of uh, graduating with my master's. And then I was hired at Blink UX, just how I know Tim. Um, and it was great. Uh, it was a really great way to start out in my UX career. Um, it gave me experience with a very wide range of methodologies and uh, industries and clients and really helped me to um, further build up my skills and my confidence and, and really learn how to be a UX researcher in an industry setting. Um, and through the connections that I made with various different clients that I worked with, um, I was able to get a contract job at Microsoft and work in-house for six months on a team there in a subject related to data analytics and machine learning. And so now I'm on a team at Google working on a sort of related product. So um, I, it just, I, I took a lot of opportunities. I took a lot of unpaid opportunities. I took a lot of paid opportunities and I just kind of worked my way up for the last three years. Okay. Yeah. So were you, were you kind of targeting research assistant roles that you saw or did you go through a recruiter to kind of find some of those initial positions? Yeah. The assistantships were through my, um, through the school of information, um, the I school at the UW. Um, I did one unpaid, part-time assistantship on a really massive qualitative study to better understand the emergency response to the Oso mudslide of 2014. Okay. Super fascinating. So I learned how researchers can work together on really large quantities of data to, to do a lot of um, what's called coding of the text in order to better understand what those folks were saying from interview transcripts. Um, I took uh, an assistantship um, actually with a professor who was a classmate in, in the user-centered design program, who was a bioinformatics professor. Um, so I ended up working with her on a project to better understand the information needs of primary care physicians incorporating genomic medicine into their clinical practices. Um, and that ended up turning into a part-time actual research scientist job at the UW School of Medicine. Um, okay. So I was just kind of lucky to meet her in this program and mm -hmm. we hit it off. We worked really well together and she had an opening and so she offered me to it, or offered it to me. So I've just kind of, um, I've been really lucky with my connections and I've just sort of taken any opportunity that came up and, and ran with it. Yeah, I mean, transcripts of Oso landslide survivors to biomedical to, you know, emerging technology at Blink to, you know, machine learning and AI. It's, it's a, it's, a, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> it's awesome. I mean, that's, that's what's so unique um, about UX is just the, the application is so widespread. And I think there's a, there's a niche area for all of us, or at least mm -hmm. hopefully you can find or maybe make your own niche. 
I'd be curious to, I mean, I know it sounds like this has been something that's been fresh too with your, with your new transition to Google, but, um, you know, do you have any tips or tricks or advice for, for folks looking to interview for jobs or trying to get their name out there, you know, especially for right out of college, um, as you were kind of doing several years back? Uh, networking has been extremely important to me and just getting my foot in the door. Um, I actually got what was sort of my big break, which was my internship at SAP through a job fair. And just, I spent, uh, I was really well prepared because I'm an obsessive preparer. I came with like a whole list of questions. And, um, so I, I wasn't even expecting or thinking about really working for SAP, but I, I went to this job fair and I made myself talk to this person and I guess he liked my questions, but also uh, I found out later he asked our job uh, or our sort of student advisor at the iSchool for some recommendations to sort of shortlist candidates and um, that advisor put in a good word for me and that really helped me to get a second interview with SAP. And I had to go through several more layers of interviews, but that really helped me get a foot in the door. Um, I went to a job fair for human-centered design and engineering, and I met a UX researcher from Blink named Greg, and I kept in touch with him, and I sent emails, and we met up for coffee. And so by the time a job opening came up, I was able to get a, a sort of recommendation or referral from him. Um, I got my job at Microsoft because I had worked with that team before, um, and we had a really good working rapport but they knew me and so I didn't even have to interview. They just hired me because they knew me and they knew that I had worked with them in the past and so I was a familiar face. So I think networking and, and not just like trying to meet as many people as possible, but keeping in touch with those people, asking um, prepared and informed questions can really help you get that foot in the door, which is the hardest part, I think. There are a lot of candidates out there and you just have to find a way to authentically uh, make those connections. Um, I also volunteered to organize a couple of events at the iSchool and that helped me to, to network in a way that felt more comfortable to me because I had a reason to reach out to people. I was inviting them to this event. Um, I was greeting them when they came to the event and that helped me to make connections with them as well. So I think um, that can be really important. Um, in terms of preparing for UX interviews, I mean, I'm still working on getting better at that, but um, I think finding a way to emphasize what makes you unique or what you think your strengths are um, can help you to stand out. I was able, when I was interviewing at Google, to highlight the fact that I've tackled a couple of technically complex subject matters in the last couple of years. Um, from natural language processing and conversational UI to, um, to machine learning and data analysis. And, and that was the strength that I brought, that I felt that I brought as a UX researcher, that um, just stubbornness and willingness to tackle those subjects in a little bit more depth. And I think that's really what got me the job that I have now. So that your strength could be anything. It could be that you have an IT background and you deeply understand um, technology. It could be that you are a graphic designer and you're really good at making information visualizations or, or um, compelling presentations. Whatever it is that makes you stand out. Yeah, I think it's a great. That's a great point. Uh, use use your skills and attributes that you have as like a way to leverage who you are and 
and position yourself uniquely, I think is, is super smart. I think another point you mentioned sort of the, not just more connections, but deeper connections with people. And, um, you know, I've had people reach out to me and they're very, some people are very focused with like, Hey, I'd really like to get, know these questions and get answers to these things. And that's, that's super nice. Cause you know, we're, we're busy and I want to help out, but it's not always the case that I can, especially when folks are just like, Hey, I'd love to connect. And that that's where they leave it. And it's, you know, you have to kind of show some initiative. And if you don't too, like if you're not prepared, it can really backfire on you. I, <clears throat> I had a woman a couple of years ago who was sent to me by uh, an academic advisor at the iSchool who I had a good relationship with. So I was very willing to help him out. You know, she came to Blink to ostensibly to interview me and get to know more about UX research. She had done no research. She had no questions for me. She was just kind of like, so tell me, tell me, you know, tell me what to do. And was fairly rude about it too. And I actually, I actually, for the first time in my life, like wrote an angry email to the student advisor, just being like, don't send me anyone else if they're going to be this way. And then I sent an angry email to her being like, don't ever do this again. You're yeah. representing the iSchool. You will embarrass everyone. <laughs> oh, wow. So definitely be prepared if you're going to reach out, you know, don't be like, so what does Blink do? Like, there's a website. Do your research. Come on, yeah. people. Yeah. You're a researcher. If you want to be a researcher, you better have questions and you better do your research. I concur. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm still a little worked up. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's all right. Um, I think it's a I think it's a valid point and something to know for for folks, you know, looking to make connections. Because yeah, like you said, it is I think every person I've talked to, I know my in my personal story that it's always up to the people that that open some door or, or help you out in some way. And so you got to treat those relationships with, you know, treat them well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm curious what, what's, what's next? What are you thinking about, you know, moving forward or what are you, what are you trying to pursue in your UX career now that you're down the road and where you are now? Um, so I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but I got into UX because I, I started off working in and being interested in making important information more easily accessible to users. I've been thinking a lot about um, people struggling to access important benefits during crisis situations and how difficult that can be. I have had several friends who have been laid off during this crazy time of ours and have, you know, been in really serious situations and have needed financial help and have really struggled to get access to it. And so, I, I mean, that's ultimately been my goal in UX is to work with governments in either a volunteer capacity or a professional capacity um, in order to make those, that type of really essential information and benefits more easily accessible to a wider range of people. So ultimately, that's where I hope to end up. Um, I before the pandemic was a board member and volunteer at the civic user testing group um, here in Seattle. It's a chapter in Seattle of a, based on an organization that was founded in Chicago a couple of years ago. And it's a group of volunteers who exist to help civic technologists and government and uh, IT folks and, and just anyone who's creating technology that serves the needs of citizens in some capacity 
to test and improve their products with as wide a range and as diverse a range of users as possible. So we focused specifically on folks that the Seattle city government were struggling to reach. Mm. Obviously those folks, uh, as with a lot of vulnerable populations, um, need to be reached in person. And so pan the pandemic has made that impossible. And as an organization, we were, um, we were a pretty small, scrappy organization to begin with, so we've basically pulled it at this point. But I'm hoping to get back to doing something related to that in the future, because um, I think when it comes to people working in UX, government and nonprofits tend to get left behind. Um, so maybe this is a call to action, uh, you know, to other UXers is like look for ways to help those organizations improve the really essential technology that they provide to to folks. Any other UX insights, tips or tricks, words of wisdom that you feel like uh, you should impart? I think especially for people getting started in UX, there are just so many resources out there. Like just go and explore, take some Coursera courses, take, you know, um, read a couple books, talk to people. Uh, there are a bunch of organizations around Seattle that can be really helpful. Um, Hexagon UX is the one that comes to mind. It's specifically focused on setting up women in UX with mentors who can help them advance their careers. So yeah, um, there are a lot of resources out there, so go learn something. Cool. <laughs> yeah, awesome. If people wanted to get in touch or learn more about you, how, how can they do that? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Laylee Sleuths that I know of on LinkedIn. So I'm pretty easy to find online, just basically in general. But I, I typically check it fairly frequently. Cool. Just bring, bring your, your questions, your pointed. Yeah, you, you know, better be, be prepared. Be prepared. <laughs> that was awesome. Thanks so much for, for sharing your, your story and your advice and super great. Thank you. Thanks again to Laylee for joining me and sharing her story, as well as some great UX career advice. Definitely some wise words about the value of networking and the proper way of making connections with people in or related to UX. I cannot underscore the value of developing relationships in the UX community. And I think we've heard that a lot on the podcast. So be sure to heed Laylee's advice. Thank you again for checking out the show. If you're thinking about are pursuing a career in UX or are currently working in UX, I hope you find these discussions informative and helpful. You can find UX Pursuit wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe now, and if you know others pursuing a career in UX, please tell them about the show. To learn more about me or the show, please check out uxpursuit.com. The website is a great place to learn more about all the guests from season one of the podcast. For all you listeners out there, I need your help. At the end of the first season, I'm planning a panel discussion to answer your UX career questions. And I know you have questions. So please email me at hello at uxpursuit.com and we'll do our best to cover them in the final episode of the season. As always, a big thanks to Irene Barber for creating all the music you hear on the podcast. Be sure to check out her music under the artist name Nearby on Spotify or at nearbymusic.bandcamp.com. Again, thanks so much for listening. I'm Tim Bridgem, a senior UX researcher and this is UX Pursuit.
Well, that's super cool. I'm honestly a little surprised that you haven't started a podcast before because you seem like a super podcasty type of dude. So <laughs> this is great. 